Please silence your cell phones within the library. Hello and welcome to Library Binary, a monthly tech podcast from inside the library. I'm your host and technology trainer, Anne. And I'm your co-host and fellow technology trainer, Elise. Remember, you can send in questions, comments, or topics that you would like us to talk about to librarybinary at heightslibrary.org or on Twitter at librarybinary. Mm-hmm. Okay, so updates for brum, April. April. So the In a Nutshell series will be starting again on um, Thursday, April 9th, and this will be taking place at the Noble Road location. It will include Word, PowerPoint, Excel, and Publisher on each following Thursday. We have the Computer Basics series starting on Wednesday, April 8th at 2 p.m. So if you don't want to go out when it's dark out, although it's lighter now at night, you can definitely come to that 2 p.m. class. All right. Um... The podcasting class, if you have previously heard about us talk about it, it was called Intro to Podcasts. It's getting split into two classes starting in April. There's going to be the class called What Are Podcasts? And that will be Tuesday, April 14th at 7 p.m. And that class is a good one for people who don't really know what podcasts are or who are interested in subscribing to a podcast but don't know how. So it may not be so much the people who are listening to this right now. But their friends or family. Exactly. And you'll actually end up subscribed to this podcast if you come to that class. Exactly. Um, And then the other class will be Podcasting 101, um, and that will be April 18th at 2 p.m. And that class is going to be more of an introduction on how to start podcasting or what you should do if you think you want to start podcasting. Yeah. We also have the PowerPoint series, which will be starting on Thursday, April 23rd at 7 p.m. That's a six-part series now. So if you want to learn the ins and outs of PowerPoint, you can definitely check that out. Yeah. All right. And that uh, is our updates for April. Okay, so moving right along, our tech term for the month is phishing. And we should note that phishing in this case is spelled with a P-H. It is. Which distinguishes it, of course, from, you know, regular phishing. With, like, a pole and water and actual physical fish. Yes. So... Phishing, um, I put on the notes, is a scam wearing a trench coat. Essentially, yeah. So scams tend to be kind of straightforward, or we've seen types of scams previously, the ones where they, like, call you or have scare tactics involved as part of them. Um, Phishing... The difference tends to be that they attempt to look specifically like um, something you already use. Right. And it's attempting to get personal information out Mm -hmm. of you through those means. So they are fishing for information. They're trying to get you to bite Mm -hmm. like a fish and give them the information that they want. And typically this is things like usernames, passwords, credit card information, financial information, social security numbers, all this buff, all this stuff you're not supposed to give out on the internet. 
And it can be very simple. A lot of times it will be something where it looks like it's a link from Facebook or it looks a lot like it's a link from Twitter or something like that. There have been a couple of ones that we've even gotten on our work emails oh, yeah. of Dropbox and um, TurboTax. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which immediately I'm like, I don't use my work email for either of no, those. No, I don't. So that was suspicious. But if it came to my regular email, I could have potentially clicked on it. So there are some clues that can indicate that a message is a phishing attempt. It's trying to get that information out of you. Um, Typically, the message uses subdomains, so something.google.com, although those are less common. Those are generally controlled by the website itself. Mm -hmm. There's also misspelled URLs, um, which is known as typo squatting. So if you've mistyped facebook.com, maybe you're going to the actual Facebook page. Maybe they've Mm -hmm. bought up that domain. Maybe not. Maybe it just looks exactly the same as Facebook because that's not uncommon. And otherwise, these are just kind of suspicious looking URLs. Yeah. There's also tends to be, if you're very careful and you're looking really closely, uh, weird typos. Very weird typos often. strange or um, the English will often seem like it's being said by a computer. Or like it's been run through Google Translate several times over. Exactly. Because you'll read the message and you'll go, that doesn't. No. Even my doctor's office uses plain speech in comparison to scams, the way scams sound. Right. Um, Often these emails are coming from email addresses that potentially look official. Mm -hmm. But if you look at them a little bit closer, there are things like misspellings in there. Um, It's says it's being sent by Gmail, but it should be from your bank, and that doesn't really make sense. Your bank Mm-mm. doesn't use Gmail. They have their own their own setup. Typically, these messages are basically trying to get your lizard brain in action, um, so trying to evoke a sense of urgency of act now, otherwise you won't get this cool new thing, or there's somebody trying to break into your account, you need to act right now. There's there's two kind of uh, hats that the fishing trench coats wear. One is exciting good news, and the other one is terrifying bad news. Right. So things like sign in now to the IRS because you didn't pay your taxes the right way. Right. But if you know anything about the IRS, they don't do anything on the web. You go they f- don't email you. They don't call you. If the IRS is contacting you, they will do it via good old snail mail. And it will take them possibly years to be mad at you for misfiling. Right. Exactly. Typically, these messages will take you to another website or ask you to respond with personal information, too. Um, so things like your name and bank account information, social security, like we've said, they can get pretty elaborate. They can create entire websites that look almost exactly like Facebook or look almost exactly like your banking website so that when you enter your username and password, you're not actually going to that website. You're actually giving that information away, essentially. I got taken in by one um, 
a handful of years ago, you know, like Twitter will send you like so-and-so tweeted or like mentioned you. Yeah. And then it's like a link. Yeah. And I get those. Right. Right? So I clicked on the link because I didn't have Twitter open. Right. And it took me to something that looked a lot like Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I put in my username and my password, and then everybody in my contacts page on Twitter got, like, the same Aha. thing. One of my friends. But, like, the moment I did it, I was like, wait, this is, this is like, this isn't working. Um, so then I had to change my Twitter password. Right, right. And that is the thing you should do mm-hmm. if you are concerned that you have been fished in some way, that you did give that information away you can you should certainly change your passwords you can also mark them as as spam or as phishing attempts mm-hmm. within your email that will then train your email service in the future that anything that looks like this is going to get dumped into your spam folder you aren't even going to see it you aren't even going to interact with it mm-hmm. yeah all right um anything else to say about phishing they can look pretty convincing Mm-hmm. Um, just because it has like the Google logo on it doesn't mean it's from Google or from any other site. I mean, I can, yeah. I can do that. Exactly. You go to Google images, you find the logo and you're set essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not that hard. Okay. So, um, pivoting to our topic for the month. Mm-hmm. So, uh, previously in November... We talked about that sounds um, right. Shopping online, right. Um, buying things online, um, but as the sun comes out in Cleveland and the weather slowly but in like uh, incrementally incrementally gets warmer because it gets like warm and then cold and then warm and then cold um, and then rains and is dark for yes. forever. All that fun stuff. We've started to notice that a lot of people, especially library patrons, are starting to experience some spring fever, getting all excited. Yeah. I notice immediately when spring happens because I find that everything in my house bothers me. Yeah. So this month we're going to be talking about how you can sell some of that stuff online. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... There are lots of ways to sell things online. Specifically this time, we're not talking about creating a whole new website um, that you would use to like create a store or things you've made. We're not talking about that. Um, we're more narrowed in on selling the things that you already own in your home that mm-hmm. you maybe no longer have a use for or that it's time to part with for, you know, a multitude of reasons. So if you're going through the Marie Kondo or the KonMari method of of cleaning out your house, you're in the middle of spring cleaning, you've got clothes that you no longer wear, you've got stuff that your kids have outgrown, this can be a way to, of course, make money, pass it along to somebody else. And more and more we're hearing discussions um, of how buying secondhand is better for the environment, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so these are not only places where you can sell things. You can also look at these places to buy things secondhand if you're saving money or you want to, you know, not use new things. Exactly. Okay. So there's uh, three – or no, wait. One, two, three. 
four. We're going to talk about four specifically. Yep. Okay. So the first one we're actually going to talk about is eBay. I feel like eBay's the OG sell stuff eBay's online. eBay's been around for forever. I think my cousin was selling things on eBay in my middle school. My dad was buying stuff off of eBay in like the late 90s, I feel like. Yeah. So eBay has some pros and cons, right? So um, a benefit to eBay is that it's online and it's very widely distributed. So somebody anywhere in the world might be able to find your item right, and right. do all, uh, buy it. That's good for you as the seller because it means you can find your market better. The downside, of course, is that you have to figure out shipping and that there's kind of a multitude of um, sale tactics. And eBay, I think, is known primarily as being an online auction location. You don't necessarily have to. Um, you don't necessarily have to set up your sales as an auction. You are yeah. able to set just a standard price, and then people then people can choose to pay that or not. Um, but you can. You do need to determine shipping costs or how you would actually ship it. You're responsible for that. So yeah. if it's something fragile, you need to make sure it's packed well. Yeah. Um, there's also a bunch of little fees. I was trying to look this up, and I had handed the papers to Anne earlier. So for a basic eBay account, when you first sign up, you get um, 50 items that you can list without paying a fee. Mm -hmm. And then after that you will be charged a fee of 35 cents. Okay. Um, then at point of sale, right. so after you finalized it, there will be a possible 10% value fee taken from the item mm -hmm. with a maximum of $750. Um, if it's books, DVDs, movies, or music, that goes up to 12%. And 2% on select business and industrial categories. Okay. Um, and then it says 3.5% on musical instruments and gear. And that one has a lower maximum of $350. Um, there's also a page that from this thing that I did not end up printing out, which was, like, you can subscribe you can be an eBay storefront, so okay. you can pay a fee. So you get some of these kind of like waived off each Inc end of or like a certain amount is included mm -hmm. with your subscription. Yeah, so you pay for it, and so if you are something like, you know, a secondhand store, right? You can start listing items online. So that would be an option. But if you're just an independent person doing this out of your home, I feel like the basic option is right. honestly the most cost effective. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and you likely aren't pay or you aren't likely aren't listing 50 plus items. Yeah. If I, you are just doing kind of spring cleaning. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. It I, depends, I've I suppose. A, yeah. I've got a lot of stuff. Um, there's an additional um, thing to consider with eBay, which is a lot of times the items are processed through PayPal, right? which we've previously talked about, which is a third-party payment system. So you make an account with PayPal, you link them into either 
your uh, banking account or your credit card. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to check out, you simply link to the PayPal account. So eBay never sees your credit card or bank information. Or the individual seller as well. The individual seller never sees it. Um, But there are fees for that. Um, So the company charges a 2.9% processing fee in addition to a set rate of 30 cents for each eBay sales transaction. So the that could stack up over time if we're looking at the listing fee, the final value fee, and the processing fee for PayPal, depending on what you're actually selling. Mm-hmm. And then there's also if you're somebody who wants an instant transfer from PayPal directly right. into your account, they charge an additional 1% fee to get it into your account instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh Ven- That's Venmo pretty does, similar to Venmo, yeah. Yeah, and they're always like, you can have it today for, you know, 1%, and I'm always like, no, I will wait three days and get all of it. Right, right. Um, Also, if the buyer is international, the percentage collected is 4.4% as of processing fee. Right, that makes sense. And there often is an additional charge just if you're doing currency conversion and Mm -hmm. stuff. I think that's just part of the currency conversion. Yeah. So that's eBay. So again, benefits are you get to list your item for just about everyone in the world to see. Right. Downsides are lots of little fees. Right, right. Tons of little fees all over the place. So this is definitely designed more for it being a business potentially Mm -hmm. um, versus some of the other options that we'll take a look at. Yeah. So I think eBay was kind of the original one. And uh, the downsides to eBay is what brought about Craigslist. Right. Really in my eyes. I mean, there's other factors, but Craigslist is basically a digital classifieds section. Right. right. um, And it is by sort of like city. Yeah, it is localized then. Yeah. So you can just look for things in the Cleveland area, mm-hmm. for example, versus seeing things from California and Canada and wherever. Yeah. So the upside of using something like Craigslist is, of course, that oftentimes there's no shipping. Right. There's no fees involved because the transaction will occur in person usually, because there's no kind of storefront set up for Craigslist. You also can accept cash rather than having to rely on credit cards. Mm -hmm. You can say cash only. Yeah. Um, The downside is that Craigslist has a lot of phishing that takes place on it. Um, People make posts that seem like they're asking for something or selling something, and then when you go to meet the person... It's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, There are a lot of scams that have gone on on Craigslist. That being said, I found every apartment I've lived in in Cleveland Heights via Craigslist. Mm -hmm. Same. So. Hard same. It's a a good place to find things. It is, like we said, very localized. Um, If you are going to meet people, of course, you want to be safe about it. Mm-hmm. So meeting in like the parking lot of the police station or the parking lot of a very public building mm-hmm. is going to be your best bet. Um, just in case. Yeah. Someplace. I mean, the police station's good. Um, I think a lot of police stations actually have like designated locations for like these types of exchanges. Yeah. 
So that's Craigslist. Um, from the downsides of Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace was born. Right. So Facebook Marketplace is a feature that's part of Facebook. Um, if you have a Facebook account, you haven't been able to escape it. They were really pushing it in the last couple of years. I do like it. I'm just annoyed that Facebook won't let me, like, be left alone. But that's true of all things with Facebook. Yeah. So I think Facebook Marketplace is currently the only only redeeming factor to Facebook in my eyes. It's like the one reason I haven't deleted my account because it gives you the option of doing something like Craigslist where you can list an item locally and you also have the benefit of having the person's name Mm-hmm. And picture and like Facebook account, right? Like visible when you're making the transaction, when you're yeah. like setting up the meet or the drop, right. Um, right? So that definitely gets rid of some of the horror stories from Craigslist of people showing up and like crazy things happening, or right. the very infamous Craigslist killer who was in Ohio, probably. I feel like there might have been multiple. There appears to be more than one because there's Craigslist Killer and then there's Craigslist Killer Ohio. Yeah, so there was a Craigslist Killer in Ohio. That doesn't surprise me. Nope. Also along the lines of Facebook Marketplace, there are designated groups mm-hmm. on Facebook um, that you can buy and sell within. Um, So things like local buy nothing groups where things are offered up for free, things that maybe it's not really worth it to list it on Mm -hmm. Facebook Marketplace or list it on eBay or Craigslist, but you just want it out of your house. Yeah. That can be a good option. Um, I've joined one. A lot of them only let you join. Like they say, don't join multiple buy nothings. Um, But there were things like, you know, half-used package of diapers. Like, we bought a package of diapers. Our kid went through half of it before they got too big to use this size. So I have half a package. I can't resell this. I can't donate it. Right. Who has a baby in the area? Come get these diapers. Right. Exactly. So that's, that's, I like buy nothing groups. Um, There's a lot of, like, random odds and ends in there. I wouldn't say that you... um, find a lot that's sort of perfect you won't necessarily find like perfect vintage furniture or like vintage items there but if you need something or I, I think especially with kids it's really good of like there's diapers toys clothes whatever that they're gonna outgrow in how long anyway no time at all right Additionally, something very similar to the Buy Nothing group is an app called Buns, B-U-N-Z. Which is based out of Canada, right? Yes. So I actually heard about it from a Canadian YouTuber. and so I, did I. <laughs> I downloaded it and I started looking at it. And there aren't a lot of listings in the Cleveland area. I think because it is primarily in... In Canada, it's not widely used outside of that. I just don't think it's taken off yet. It yeah. could be one of those things that, like, if some other major city in America gets, like, a hold of it or, like, right. people start right. using it aggressively, then there's articles written about it and then 
people will be on it. But their buns works kind of the same way where it's something close to a buy nothing group, something like a Facebook it's marketplace. Kind of more, it's like a bartery yeah, sort of thing. So it's like I have this, will you trade? Or right. like I'll give you this instead of this. So you don't necessarily have to do funds. You can do funds if you so choose. Right. But I I was so upset that it's mostly in Canada. Yeah. I wanted to use it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. And then the last one is a specifically kind of like clothes and accessories one. Right. Um, It isn't as good for some of the other stuff that we've talked about. Um, But there is an app called Poshmark, mm-hmm. um, where you can resell apparel and accessories and shoes, I think. Yeah. And I think handbags as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like bags. So kind of general fashion items. Yes. So if you are like cleaning out your closet, whether it's stuff you no longer wear, it no longer fits, it's kid stuff that they've outgrown, mm-hmm. um, then you can list it on Poshmark. You are able to set prices. Um, and there is kind of a social networking aspect to it. Yeah. The app works a little bit like a social network. Um I haven't personally used it, but um, a couple of staff members have, and they've gotten some cool items. Um, Actually, hang on. I think there are some, like, name brand stuff that you can find on there, depending on what's available. The the thing that I've heard is, have you heard of ThreadUp? Yes. Okay, so ThreadUp is pretty decent if you kind of just want to get some, like, cheap secondhand clothes. Yeah. The downside of ThreadUp is they don't really pay well when you... When you're selling When you're to selling them. to That's them. That's true. Yeah. So what I've heard is, yeah, ThreadUp is good if you're cleaning out your closet because you lost a ton of weight or mm-hmm. something like that and you have, like, bags upon bags of clothes. Right. Because you can right. just get it out of your house... They'll pay you, like, I think it's a couple of cents per item. It's, like, not great. And you also have the option to, I think, just flat out donate it to and have that money go to nonprofit organizations. Yeah. So that's thread up. But on the alternative side, if you have, like, nice items that mm-hmm. are in good condition and you maybe only have a couple, Poshmark might be more of your style. Right. Um, because right. it's going to be able to help you sell those few things well. Um, so I actually asked one of our coworkers um, to tell me what their pros and cons of using Poshmark were. Yeah. Um, so I have them here. So pros are that it's pretty easy to do yourself. And depending on where you sell, there's no limit to what you can sell. Uh, cons are that you uh, you have to do the shipping on your own. Right. Um, they take a cut of your earnings, which is under $15. It's a flat rate of $2.95. That's a fair amount, then. It, yeah. And then over $15, the fee is 20% of the sale. That's also pretty steep. Yeah. So it's it's a bigger cut of that. Um, also, depending on lack of demand, you might end up holding on to your item for quite some time. That's true. I mean, that can be true with any of these. That's true for all of them. If there's no demand for it or if you don't describe it well in the listing, um, there is a chance that nobody's going to find it. 
Exactly. I'll also add on, there are some like specialized things that you may need specialized websites to actually sell. I'm thinking yarn in my case because knitting, Mm -hmm. it's my thing. Um, How's the sock going? Socks are done. Ooh. Yes. At some point we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Well, we've no, no, no. If um, if our listeners have heard the episode, the longest episode to date, when we talked about social networking, you did talk about your favorite social network, which is for knitters, Ravelry. Which is actually there is a buying and selling aspect to Ravelry. So, so you can so trade yarn or sell essentially. yarn. Nice. Yeah. So people will load their stashes, so their the amount of yarn that they have, Mm -hmm. and you can decide, is this yarn that I'm just kind of cataloging for me so I know what I have, which is really an absurd amount generally, or are you willing to sell this yarn? Mm Because hand-dyed yarn especially is not cheap, Mm -hmm. and there are cases where folks will run out of yarn and they need just just a little bit more, not a whole skein, not another $30 skein of yarn, but just a little bit more to finish something. Okay. And people will list their partial th- skein, say, hey, give me the shipping cost or give me, mm-hmm. you know, five bucks plus shipping and yeah. I'll send it to you. So there are definitely other places, depending on what you're selling, that you might be able to find it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um I was actually just thinking about the fact um, there's a subreddit that I like um, about uh, one bag travel. Mm -hmm. So like traveling internationally with just a backpack and how to do it. And there is a like mega post at the start of each month where people can say, I have this item and I want to sell it. Um, And people can say, I'm looking to buy this item and they'll post it and... um, when I was looking for an item, I was, like, really close to doing it that way. And then I ended up getting it a different way. But Right. So, but there are definitely other options out there, especially in other social networking sites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it just kind of depends on what it is and how specialized it is. And your comfort with paying for things, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are folks who run, like, vintage shops off of Instagram. Right. But that requires doing all your invoicing through some sort of separate system. It's not as well integrated as some of the other ones. Yeah. Well, I remember, um, so my cousin did this whole thing when we were in middle school where he used eBay and he sold just like lots of knickknacks from around yeah. his room. I think like old video games, like that kind of stuff. And he uh, got enough money together to buy himself a new laptop. Right, and right. so I remember that my mom was like, oh, I'm going to sell all of my, like, shoes that I've only worn, like, one time that are, like, designer right. um, on eBay. And I, like, took all the pictures from her for her. And then um, we never, like, did anything else with it because you have to, like, sit down at eBay, make an account, set up all this other stuff. And you have to individually list things. The it, more descriptive you are in your description, yep. it, the better or the easier it is for people to actually find it then mm-hmm. of if they're searching for a particular designer, a particular size, a particular color or pattern or line or season, then they can discover it if you say it in the listing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just kind of in the black hole of eBay. 
Yeah. So it's it's a 50-50. It's a trade-off. Um, of course, if you have items in your home and you just really want them gone, you can always donate to your local um, secondhand thrift store. Mm-hmm. So in the Cleveland area, we have the Savers Thrift Shop, mm-hmm. which um, a lot of its proceeds go to charity. Right. Um, of course, Goodwill is known to be a charity thrift shop. Right. And um, there are other locations. Um, I think the Hospice of the Western Reserve... Used to have a shop. I'm not clear where they are now. Um, and Magnolia Clubhouse, which does a lot of work with um, mental health, has their own resale shop down on University Circle, too. Yeah, and it actually looks very pretty inside. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't actually been in, but I've been near it. I mean, it's a pretty building, and then there's, like, cool stuff in the window. Right. It's so, nice. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you can always donate. Just try not to send stuff to landfills. That's right. all we ask. Right. Alrighty. Um, anything else to talk about selling things online? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, even, I guess my final point is we kind of mentioned this with like eBay, but all of them do have some kind of posting process. Right. And most buyers are going to ask for a photo or a description eBay actually requires you to have at least one picture. And it could be a picture that you take on your smartphone, Mm -hmm. but making sure it's well lit, um, making sure that if there's any damage or wear to the item, like there's a scuff on like the toe of a shoe or something like that, that it's documented, that you state that clearly in the description that way you don't have people coming back to you like hey you said this was new but obviously it's not it yeah it just saves you the headaches and a lot of people as we are buying more things secondhand are fine with that mm-hmm. but just being kind of open with it's the best bet yeah i think just being comfortable with that all right well that is it for the topic all right, it is my pun this month. All right. So this one is not a call and response. Um, so item listed on eBay. For sale, Incredible Hulk t-shirt, usual wear and tear. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. I was very excited to find it. All right, and thanks for listening. And remember, if you don't know your password, we won't either. And don't give it to phishing scams. (laughs) Please. Goodbye. Goodbye.